Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Anybody ever received bad news? It's, it's never any fun. Maybe it's a phone call about family that's sick. I mean, that's, that's bad news. No one wants to get those phone calls. Maybe it's unexpected expenses um, that you didn't see coming. You know, you had everything budgeted out and then your car breaks down or something happens in, in a medical expense and it's just, it's just not good news. Maybe you didn't get the job that you applied for and you interviewed for and you're like, man, this is gonna, this is gonna be it. And, and then you get the call like, hey, we went with somebody else. And, and it's, it's disappointing, isn't it? It's, it's bad news. Maybe you have family in crisis over something else. Um, there's no need for me to go into examples of bad news in my life because we, I have so many, it seems, of just unfortunate circumstances in life. We all get bad news, and when we get that bad news, that unfortunate news, throws us for a loop, doesn't it? Anybody can relate to what I'm saying this morning, right? It throws you for a loop. You, you, don't, you don't know what to, you question so much. Uh, it knocks you down, and it's just, man, it's just, it's no fun. We're in John 14 today. John 14, and this takes place in Scripture, in the timeline of the life of Jesus, immediately in the same night, the same moments, immediately after the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, those 12 apostles, right after they got some really bad news. John 13, which was last week's message, and if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back, please, and listen to that message. John 13 began the last supper that Jesus had with the disciples. We've seen the painting of the last supper with Jesus and all the disciples there. That's where we're at in the story. This is the night Jesus is to be arrested and betrayed by Judas, one of his own, and whipped and tortured and then put on a cross and to die on a cross. This was that night. John 13, last week's message, started the last supper. Remember, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, including Judas, the one who would betray him. And then also Jesus begins talking to them, and, and he told them some things. It's right, be, right before his arrest and his death. And he had told them in verse 33 of chapter 13, remember, he told them he was going to be leaving them. And they're like, what do you mean? And then he told them that one of them was going to betray him. It says he was just burning in his heart. And he said, one of you is going to betray me. At dinner, at the dinner table, Judas is sitting right there. And he tells them this, and they're all like, what's going on? What's he talking about? Then he tells Peter who's supposed to be the leader of the group, by the way. Peter's kind of like that head disciple. Peter's like, I'll die for you. And Jesus says, you're going to betray, you're going to deny that you even know me three times before the next morning. That's a lot of bad news. And when, listen, you ever had any uncomfortable dinner conversation? This is the definition of it right here. Think about it. They had walked the last few years with Jesus and seen him do miracles, believed that he was the Messiah sent from God. I mean, this was like, they were excited. This, this ministry is just getting going. People are believing. People are changing. And then he's like, I'm leaving you. Um, one, Peter, you're going to betray me, or you're going to deny me, and one of you is actually going to betray me and sell me out. That's like, no good. They, 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 talk about unexpected bad news for these guys. They didn't see any of this coming. They had plans, they had vision for the future, what the future held for them as followers of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the Messiah's come. Man, they had plans and, 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 and things already in the world. Like, man, we're going to... 
And they didn't expect, none of it included, none of their plans or visions included any of the things Jesus had just told them in John 13 that we read last week. Bad news. Their hearts were disturbed. Disturbed. Around the dinner table. They sit and eating. They didn't know it was the last supper. Jesus knew. They didn't know. They're expecting just another time to sit together and eat, talk about the ministry, you know, swap stories of miracles, and suddenly Jesus is dropping these bombshells. And their hearts are disturbed. And then we get to John 14, where we're at today. And in this chapter, again, still at the dinner table, Probably everybody's just kind of quiet now. Jesus had just told Peter, yeah, you're going to deny me three times. And everybody's looking at Peter like, what? Like, this is our leader. He, that can't be true. So John 14 is Jesus responding to their obvious troubled hearts. If, if, if you were a fly on the wall of that upper room where the Last Supper took place, it would have probably been like just awkward sauce. Like, this is just like... No one wants to say anything, and like everybody's kind of just disturbed in their heart and in their spirits. They're anxious. They're worried. They're fearful. Judas has already left. Remember Judas last week? Jesus said, just go and do what you're doing and do it quickly. Judas had left. They thought he was just going to pay a bill or helps the poor because he had the money. Little did they know the, what was in the works with Judas betraying him, selling him for 30 pieces of silver. So now they're just sitting there, the 11 of them, stressed out, worried, anxious, fearful. In John 14 is Jesus' response to that disturbance in their spirits. And can I say this as well? It's his response to you today, anxious heart. It's his response to you today, stressed out heart, anxious heart, worried heart, fearful, broken hearts. It's his response to you. Church, the people of God, all of us here together, we know, I think we can all admit, none of us are perfect, we all got issues. So the question for you this morning, before we jump into the scriptures, is are you struggling today? You don't need to, I don't want you to answer any of these questions. I want you to answer them in your heart. Are you struggling today? Maybe someone is going to be listening to this message online this week. We have some people out and they say, oh, listen. maybe you're listening online right now. Are you struggling? Are you weary today? Are you tired? Are you anxious? Are you fearful of the future today? Are you stressed out about the week ahead today? Worry about what's going to happen. Are you burdened with your past today? Are you unsure of your purpose today? Are you wondering what went wrong in your life this past month? What, what did I do wrong? Why is this? Are you wondering that today? Are you doubtful of what you once believed today? Are you mourning the loss of broken dreams today? And on and on I could go. Jesus' response to his disciples and their troubled hearts 2,000 years ago is his response to you this morning. Jesus, church, you got to believe this. Jesus is speaking to you this morning. We don't just come to church out of habit just to fill in a spot so we feel good. No, we come to hear from God. And he's speaking to you this morning. And these words we're about to read are his words. And I'm challenging you to hear them, to believe them, to hold on to them, to let them whisper peace to your broken soul. You know what he says to the disciples at the, the first verse? I'm going to just quote it, and then we're going to see the scriptures in a moment. But these are the first six words of John 14. After he told them all that bad news in John 13, this is what Jesus says to them, and this is what he says to you. He says, let not 
your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Lord, we ask you to bless this message and bless your words. We need you. We love you. There's troubled hearts here today. I know it. Would you whisper peace this morning? Help us to focus and keep us from distraction. And speak to hearts this morning and help hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, we ask for all these things. Amen. Jesus is leaving them, and they just don't get it, the disciples here. He's told them, I'm going away. You can't come with me. And they're like, why not? They don't get it. So we're going to break down these, this chapter quickly and look at some things, and we're going to finish up with some ways we can use it in our life today as well. Because remember, it's not just a history lesson. It's something that it's, it's the scriptures explaining what it means, what it meant back then, and what it means for us today. And what Jesus does in John 14 is he gives them a few reasons why he has to leave them. He says, I'm leaving, but here's some of the reasons why. So we're going to read through the scriptures on the screen in your Bible. We're going to stop along the way and find these reasons of why he said, hey, I, I'm leaving you. And we're going to start in verse number 1, John 14. And verse number 1 says this, if it works for me. There it goes. He says this, and we just saw, we, I just said these words. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And here's the first reason why he had to leave. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. He says, you know where I'm going. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we, we, don't, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. First reason, Jesus said, I have to go prepare a place for you. We, I've said it a hundred times. Every week I'll say it. There is one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. It's not by our good works. Jesus, the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's not our good works. I can do a billion good things, I can, but my sin separates me from God. I need Jesus. Jesus is again reminding them, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I've told you this. You know I'm the Messiah. In church, I'm reminding us again today, maybe you're here today, without Jesus as your Savior, you can accept him and believe on him, ask him for forgiveness from your sins. He is the only way. He is going to prepare a place for you and me. Heaven is a real place, and hell is a real place. He made a way out, though, of hell, and that's through Jesus Christ, his death, his burial and resurrection, which we're going to celebrate in about a month on Easter Sunday. All of it for you because he loved you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should have everlasting life. Not perish, but have everlasting life. He went to prepare a place for him. But let's move on so we can get to the scriptures. Verse uh, 7. He also, the other reason... Another reason he had to leave them, he's telling them, he's explained to his disciples around the dinner table here, because he wanted to, to show them the Father. Verse 7, if he had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now another disciple speaks up. Verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. It'll be enough for us. Verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? He's saying, I've already told you 110 times that I and the Father are one, that I'm sent from the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen it. He has told the masses, this include, obviously his followers too, and still Philip's like, hey, show us the Father, and that, that'll be enough. And he said, what? what do you mean, show me the Father? I have, I've already told you. Verse number 10, believest thou not that I am the Father and the Father in me? 
The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake, for the miracle's sake. Look at the miracles. You can see that I and the Father are one. He had to leave them to show them the Father. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to rise again. The next reason, we're moving quickly through these so we can get to this application, but I want you to see the whole picture here while he's talking to his, these 11 disciples. Why else? What, what's another reason why he had to leave them? Yes, to show them the Father. Yes, uh, uh, to, to prepare a place for them, but also to grant them the privilege of prayer. He says to them in verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus says to his disciples earlier when they're like, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? He says, Those, uh, you don't need a doctor while he's right here. He's like, you, you, I'm right here. You don't, you can, if you need something, you can just ask me. I'm physically right here with you. But he knew he was going to leave. He knew he was going to die and and rise again and go to the Father. He knew that he wasn't going to be around forever. So he's showing them, listen, even though I may not be physically here, you can still ask. And he's teaching them about prayer. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, I'll ask. The Father will be glorified in the Son. He had to leave so he could grant them the privilege of prayer. Why else, though? In these next few verses here, verses 15, this is a little bit of a longer passage here. Let's read through it. Why else was he leaving them? Because he knew if he was there, they didn't really, you know, they could just ask him. He also was leaving to send the Holy Spirit. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Trinity. You may have never heard of the Spirit of God. When you get saved, the Spirit of God moves inside. And he knew that if he was there, they couldn't send the Holy Spirit. He had to die and rise again, and the Spirit would come and, and help the believers and help the children of God. In verse 15, this is what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And that word comfortless literally means orphans. He's like, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you out to dry. I, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and send you a comforter. Verse number uh, 20, uh, verse number 19, I'm sorry. Yet a little while, and ye shall live also. And the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Um, verse number 21, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 22, another disciple speaks up here. I thank you for staying with me, church. Let's stay with me for just a few more minutes. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, not the one that was going to betray him, but another Judas that was there, two Judases. Judas said, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest or show thyself to us and not the world? He's like, how, why would you keep it, you know, why wouldn't you tell the whole world that, you know, you're the Messiah? Why are you just keeping it this, you know, small? And verse 23, Jesus said, answered said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. My father will love him and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which he hear is not mine, but the father which sent me. 
These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. He said, I'm with you right now. You can see me. You can touch me. I'm right here. He knew he was going to be gone. Verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So he had to leave so he could send them the Holy Spirit to guide them. And the last thing is this, to, to grant them his peace, to give them his peace, not the world's peace or definition of peace. He had to leave so he could give them his peace. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And look at what he says. He repeats himself from verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. His disciples were afraid. He had told them that he was going to be betrayed by one of them. He told them he was leaving. Uh, he told them that Peter was going to deny him. These guys were freaking out. What is going on? He says, you have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto my father. For my father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you'll believe. He's like, I've already told you these things. So that when it happens, you're not surprised. Hereafter, verse 30, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He knew that his hour of death and was coming. And he, was, he knew it was happening. They, the disciples didn't get it. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. But he says, he's coming. He thinks he's going to win with me dying on the cross, but he has no power over me. I'm going willingly to the cross. Verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do Arise, let us go hence. And this is when they leave the dinner table and go and walk. And soon in the garden, he's going to be betrayed by Judas. And that's another week. So I appreciate you staying with me. That's 31 verses. We breathe through them. There's five reasons why he's telling them he has to leave. Again, hurting, scared disciples, fearful, anxious. He gave them all that bad news in, in chapter 13. And Jesus comforting their hearts saying, this is why I have to leave. Because I want to uh, prepare a place for you and give you the Holy Spirit and give you peace. And, and those other reasons. But the purpose of all these reasons that he gave them and this last discourse, this last really message for them, these final instructions he's giving them at the Last Supper. What is the purpose of all this? It's to give them comfort, to help their hurting and fearful hearts. And the root of this whole dialogue that we saw in chapter 14, the root of it all begins in verse 1 with those six powerful words that came from the lips of our Savior Jesus Christ when he said to them in their hour of fear, in their hour of worry, in their hour of anxiety, he said, let not your heart be troubled. So church, let's, let's insert ourselves into the story here with these words in mind. Okay, in the midst of Jesus' words of comfort, three disciples that are left out of the 11 speak up in the middle of his dialogue, in the middle of his final instructions. Three different disciples speak up and make a statement and ask some questions. They, they, they speak up in the middle of their fear. Their hearts, the hearts of the disciples are, are our hearts so very often. See, these disciples were just like you and me. They weren't gods. They, weren't, they were just men, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. These were just men and, and followers just like you and me. They asked questions that we asked. They wondered. They were broken. They were fearful. Can, can any of us relate to those feelings, right? Jesus is trying to prepare them for what is to come. And, and they were getting ready, unbeknownst to them, for the darkest night and the darkest three days to follow in history. With the they didn't know he was going to die on a cross. In just a few chapters, all the disciples are going to flee and run off in fear when he's arrested. 
They didn't know any that was coming, but Jesus knew he's trying to prepare them. And what can we learn from the words of these disciples? What, what can, how can we see ourselves in their questions that they ask in John 14? Church, God has something for you this morning. Look up here. God has something for you this morning. All of us. Every person here. He has something for you. Many of you are facing the same feelings that the disciples faced on this night. Fear. Worry. Not knowing what the future holds. And you have the same questions in your life regarding what you are facing. And let's look at what they said. Make some quick application for ourselves and we'll be done this morning, I promise. So stick with me for just a few more minutes. God has something for you this morning. Don't miss it, please. Don't miss it. Thomas is the first one to speak up in John 14 and verse 5. Jesus had said, he said, I'm going away and you know the way. You know how to go. And Thomas says in verse 5, no, we don't know, Lord. We don't know the way. He said, we have no idea where you're going. So, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas says, how do we, we don't know where you're going, uh, so how can we know the way? These men had followed Jesus, men and women, the followers of Christ back in the New Testament, had followed him, had listened to him, had believed on him, had seen the miracles, and still Thomas and probably the others are just like unsure after hearing everything he said. Here's the first statement this morning that we can see from Thomas that we can look at in our own life. Sometimes, even after all we've learned and lived, we still feel lost. Just remember that Jesus is always the way home. Even after all we've learned and lived, sometimes we still feel lost. Listen, I'm only 33 years old. I'm only 33 years old. This is, Jesus died when he was 33 years old, so I feel like 33 for me. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this year is, is just a great year. Well, Jesus died at 33 years, so maybe it's not going to be my best year. Who knows if I'm going to suffer with him. But either way, I'm 33. I haven't lived this long life, but I, I, just like the rest of us, I've had my fair share of trials, heartaches, losses that I've shared with you and talked to many of you about. I've learned a lot through my trials. God has taught me so much through my most painful circumstances, through my greatest losses. And yet still, even after seeing his hand work, even after seeing the miracles of God, even after seeing him answer prayer, sometimes, even after seeing all that in my life, sometimes I still feel lost. I still struggle with doubt. I still am like Peter with a lack of faith looking around at the storm as he's walking on water, literally doing a supernatural thing by walking on water, but still in fear. That's been me. That's been you. With all that I've learned and lived, sometimes I still feel lost. The story of the prodigal son in the book of Luke, maybe you don't know it. This kid, he's a, his father's rich and he wants to leave the house early and take his share of the inheritance before his father's even dead and says, I'm going to go and I'm going to go party. Give me my money. He leaves home. He goes. He wastes all his money on party and the scriptures call it riotous living, just kind of just being foolish and runs all of his money out, loses all of his friends and now is broke as a joke living in the hog pen eating the pig food, and that's where he ends up. The prodigal son had ran away from home, give me my money, pops, I want to do what I want to do, leaves and goes, and now he's stuck in the hog pen. And the scriptures say that he, he's lost, he's undone, he's feeling worthless. 
unworthy to be his father's son any longer, uh, forgotten. And he com- the scripture says he comes to himself. He kind of, it just kind of clicks. He's like, I could go and be a servant for my father. It's better than living in the pig pen. So he has this whole speech. I'm going to go to him, tell him I was wrong, and ask him, I know, I'm not worthy to be your son any longer, but I'll, I'll be one of your servants. That's better than what I'm doing now. And he rehearses this whole thing and starts to walk home, that long road home. And guess who's on the front porch waiting for him? His father, who runs out to him and embraces him and welcomes him back. And he starts to talk, and the father says, no, 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 we're going to have a party and welcome you home. You're my son who was lost, and now you're here. Just like that prodigal, he was lost, but Christ is the way. And in our lives, we're lo- we need Christ. He's the way. The, he was ignorant, wasn't he, the prodigal son? He thought, my father won't even love me. He doesn't even care. He won't let me be his son anymore. He was wrong, wasn't he? He was ignorant. He missed it. Because Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. And, and this prodigal son, just like us, was dead spiritually. And he is Jesus' life. The way, the truth, and the life. He ran back to the father. Was welcomed home as a son. Even after all we've learned and lived... That prodigal son knew his dad loved him, but still doubted. And even after all we've learned and lived, we still search for peace in all the wrong places, don't we? Me, still, after seeing his hand of provision provide time after time after time in miraculous ways, still tries to figure everything out on my own. Still tries to, i got to make things work. I gotta, for, after all I've seen God do, Stop searching for purpose in all the wrong places, church. You look for identity and look for peace in a job and a relationship and money and this or that. You're chasing a ghost. You're not going to find it. It's not there. It's in Jesus Christ, real peace and real hope and real joy is in Jesus Christ. Sometimes even after all we've learned and lived, we still feel lost. Jesus is always the way home. But the next one, the next disciple, Philip speaks up. Philip speaks up and he says in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and, and, and that'll satisfy us. That'll be enough. That suffices. Show us the Father and that'll be enough. How many times, we've said it a bunch over the last few months, how many times has Jesus told the disciples, I and the Father are one and, and I'm sent from my Father? We've heard him say it multiple times and still Philip says, show us the Father. And that's why Jesus says, Philip, Really? Really, you're going to ask me that? You're going to tell me to show? I told you a hundred times that I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But it still says, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Number two, statement number two. Sometimes what we have been searching for has been there the whole time. We just weren't paying attention. It goes right along with the end of the first one. about searching for peace in all the wrong places. These disciples had seen and heard Jesus say multiple times that he was sent by the Father, that they were one and the same. And Philip, if you look at the life of Philip, Philip was a guy that was all about sight. He was one that told Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see Jesus. And Nathaniel's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? No, no, Nathaniel just come and see. Philip was the one at the feeding of the 5,000. When he looked at the big crowd, he said, uh, uh, you know, even if we worked for months, we still wouldn't have enough money to feed them. He saw the crowd. He's a big guy with his eyes and with sight and seeing things. And he says, show us the Father. He kept missing it, though, didn't he? Just like we do. Just like we do. God, I, I want to see you move in my life. God, God I, want, I want to just feel closer to you. Uh, God, why don't you take this pain away from my life? God, uh, why don't I have any friends? God, can you please use my life? And we say all that as we walk through the world. God, why aren't you using me? God, why aren't you working? When we have the word of God at our fingertips. 
God, I want you to speak to me, Lord. Why aren't you speaking to me, Lord? Why am I not hearing your voice? And we have his very words right here, but we don't even crack it open. Or we do for like a sliver of time at the end of our day, the beginning of our day, like real quick, kind of like just squeeze it in. We say, God, I, God, I, I want, what's my purpose? When, when we're, we are surrounded by the people of God all around us reaching out. See, no one cares about me. When you have people in your church that love you, that care about you, we say these things to God, Lord, why won't you do this? Why won't you do that? And we're missing it. It's right there in front of our face. Say, God, I want to be used by you. When there's opportunities to serve God in your community, in your local church, here at Coastline, at your job, or in every corner, you say, well, I just want to hear a word from the Lord. I want him to speak. When the preaching of God's word is here every week, we say, we say, we're searching for something, and we look and look and look, and it's there the whole time. We're just not paying attention. We say, God, I want you to take this pain away. Lord, I, I, wanna, I want my, my hurting heart to feel stronger. And every week, you're given opportunities to worship with brothers and sisters in Christ, going through the same things, to lift your voice and worship and sing. And, and it just doesn't mean anything to us. We miss it. We say, God, use me. God, use me. And he's saying, I've placed you in your job, in your neighborhood, in your town, in your church on purpose to reach into the lives of those people. So what are you waiting for? He's giving you, he says, God, I want to be used. And he's like, well, why aren't you doing anything then? I placed you in that job so you can help that person, that coworker that you know is struggling. I've placed you in your neighborhood because I know that you know your neighbor is struggling, but you haven't invited them to church or told them about Jesus or tried to encourage them. Say, God, speak to my heart. And we're not getting in the Word. We're not here at church like we should be. We're, 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 when we get here, we're not really focused. We're kind of ready for it to be over. Like, okay, we're here. I got my coffee. got this. And, we're, he's, and he's saying, God, I want you to speak to me. And he's trying to. Say, God, help my heart. My heart's hurting. I'm lonely. I'm lost. And he's saying, worship me. So surround yourself. Immerse yourself in the worship of believers. Hey, in your car, uh, at the house. I don't, he's like, I don't care if you sing in the shower. Just you have so many opportunities to worship me. And you're not. Beyond all that, he says, I give you a place to worship here at Coastline with believers. And, you know, we're 20 minutes late and we missed the first three songs. You know what I mean? It's, it's like God giving us opportunities. And we just miss them because we just don't. Our priorities are a little out of order. And I'm there too, church. It's right there and we miss it right there to miss it. Sometimes what we've been searching for has been there the whole time. We just weren't paying attention. And the last one is Judas. Not Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, but the other Judas says, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the, to the world at large? Why are you only talking to us and sharing, us, sharing this with us but not anybody else? Jesus had his reasons, didn't he? He knew it wasn't time. He knew that this was the way it was supposed to be. But still, Judas was like, it would probably be a better idea if the whole world knew that you were the Messiah, right? Like, why would you just keep it with us 11? Judas was, you know, thinking, hey, logically, it would probably make sense if you revealed yourself to everybody, not just us. Here's the last statement. Sometimes God answers our prayers differently than we expect. And we must choose to trust his heart over our feelings. This is the one that's tough for me. They all are. <laughs> this is the one that's most tough 
for me. Judas didn't understand. They still thought, these disciples around the dinner table at the Last Supper still thought and hoped that Jesus as the Messiah was going to come and rescue them from the tyrannical rule of the Romans and free their people and, and kind of bring glory back to the people of God, the Israelites. They still kind of hoped that, even though Jesus had said, like, I'm not here to do that, they still were like, well, yeah, but that's got to be part of the story, right? You, you've got to be here to save us from this oppression, right? They were hoping that. How could, how could he do that? How could he rescue them from Roman rule and oppression if, uh, if, if, if nobody, not everybody knew he was a Messiah? And if he said he's going to die, like, how is, how is this part of the story? How, how does this work, Jesus? They're at, like, wouldn't it be better if everybody knew? It didn't make sense to them. And in some ways, they really had it already all planned out. What Jesus was going to do, what he should do. Like, hey, this would be a good idea if he did this. These disciples had it all figured out. What they thought should happen, what they thought would be best. I don't even have to ask the question, have any of us ever done that? Because we all do. We all do. I've been guilty of that. Dear God, I got all, all the plans for my life written out, ready to go. I think you're going to love it, by the way. I got some good stuff in here that I got planned for my life. I'm going to be used by you. You're going to use me to do this and this and this. And I'm going to help people, and I'm going to do this, and live here, and marry this person, and, and do this, and blah, 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 blah. And I got it all planned out. You just got to sign here, and you got to sign here. At this, and we have it all planned out. Just sign on the dotted line, God, and I'll take it from there. So we take these huge steps forward in life, in a life that's really not ours to begin with. And... Uh, these decisions and these things, we're taking these huge steps forward that are leading us to things that we want, but really not even sure or even caring if it's what God actually wants. So this life that's not mine, I'm taking huge steps forward towards these things that I think are probably good things that I want to do, but not thinking or even caring if it's what God actually wants. I've prayed for things. I've asked God for things. I've believed God for things in faith that I wasn't supposed to have. I'll tell you one that I know right now. Seven or eight months ago, I was like, God's going to give us this house that we're living in Trader, on Trader's Land. We had the picnic there. I'm like, this house is perfect for us. It's where we started the church. It's got enough room for my kids. It's got a safe backyard for Seth. It's right by the building. It's right by the schools. Uh, we got the in-law apartment that we can use to help people and house people that need help. And the landlord said, I'm going to sell it. And I'm like, you know what? God's going to give us this house. I believe it. And faith. I'm claiming it. Name it and claim it. I'm like, God, thank you already for giving us Trader's Lane. Like that kind of faith. Believing it. He's going to make a way. And guess what? I'm not living at Trader's Lane. It's been sold. And not to me. <laughs> but I believed it. We had a house in Dennis when we were trying to buy a house and out in Dennis, a beautiful old farmhouse that was very expensive, but we're like, that's not going to sell for that. And we're like, God's going to, we prayed for it. I had a little thing on my phone. It was 436 Main Street, 436 every day. I prayed for that house. God's going to give us that house. God's going to provide that house for us. I believe it. He knows we need a place. He knows I got four kids. He knows that we want to help people and reach people on the Cape. Man, God's going to give us this house. He's going to make a way. And guess what? That house sold too. Not to me. <laughs> 
There's a building over by Stop and Shop, Long Pond Stop and Shop, with a, I think there's a, there was a convenience store, the old dance studio, and, and the gun shop there. The, and uh, back in March of 2020, me and Dan went over and looked at that building. Perfect. I was going to put some pictures up, but I forgot to. But it was, I was like, we were in the house, still meeting at the house. I'm like, this is the place. We went. We got plans drawn up by, by an architect. I'm like, this is it. This is where we're going to start Close Baptist Church, our first building. Perfect. Got a little nursery area. Got a classroom. Got a nice big dance room that we can put, make into an auditorium. I'm like, this is the place. Thank you, God, for giving us this place. And guess what? It didn't happen. It fell through right before COVID lockdown. It was very disappointing. And I believe that God had brought us to that place for a reason. God never promised that he was going to give me exactly what I want, even the good things. He promised that he would take care of me. And the scary part is I don't know what that looks like all the time. I can say, Lord, I, I want you to give me this house for my family. I believe you're going to do it, and he may not. But he's going to take care of us. That may mean that we're living in somebody's basement for six months. So if anybody has any big basement, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, I don't know what that looks like, his care for me. I just know that he's going to take care of us. You know that building on Long Pond that I was just telling you about, that little storefront? That I said, this is the place. God wants to give us his place. That's completely demolished right now. They had a huge fire. The ceiling fell through in the convenience store, and that place was torn down. Charlie's one that caught it. We were driving from Stop and Shop. He's like, look at the big hole in the roof. I'm like, there's no hole in the roof, Charlie. I'm like, look at that hole in the roof. <laughs> it's huge. And it was like a meat. Like, I was like, see, I told you. Can you just, like, trust me a little bit? Sometimes... God's care for us and God's answers don't look the way we think they should look. And that's, I don't, it's tough. But that's faith. And that's what's challenging about faith. Because we, we have something that we think, like, this is the way it needs to fit. I'm, we're right there right now. We got two months in this winter rental, and I don't know what the future holds for us. You, you, everybody, you know there's not a lot of options out there for housing right now for rent or for buying. It's just, it's tough. We got four kids. I don't know what it looks like. Every time I feel like I have the answer on the edge of my fingertips, it falls through. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I struggle with faith, guys. I, I'll be honest. As you're, sometimes I'm like, Lord, whew, I'm getting tired of like getting my hopes up and then having them crash down. I mean, I just told the Lord, I was praying a few days ago. I said, Lord, I know that you are all I need. And, and that's, I'm supposed to be satisfied with you alone above a house but Lord, my kids can't play with their toys in you. <laughs> they can't, we can't set up their bunk beds in you. Like I'm supposed to rest in you and be satisfied in you, but I can't live in you physically. Like I, I need something, you know? You ever seen that book, that old kid's book, like The Man Under the Bridge? <laughs> I'm like, hey, maybe that's us, you know? Summer's coming, it's gonna be nice out. You know what I mean? And I'm joking with your church. I know, but still I'm like, God, you gotta do something because but that's faith that's faith so what will you do church what will I do when what I want what you want doesn't line up with what God does what are you going to do when what you want and what you think is best God doesn't do that thing that's faith and it's not easy 
Will you choose to trust him? Will you choose to believe that he knows best for you and your future? Or like me, maybe you'll fall into a rut. Sometimes of complaining, you'll fall into a rut of worry. You'll fall into a rut of anxiety and frustration. And oftentimes God answers our prayers differently than we expect. And it shocks us. And like me, you're like, God, you missed it. You missed your opportunity. Like, I was going to give you glory for that. I was going to bless your name for doing that. That was, why didn't you do it, Lord? And when all along, his hand is still guiding us. It's still sovereign. He's putting things together that we could never have dreamed of. And some of us, like me, like you, we're waiting on some answers. We're waiting on some miracles. We're waiting on some solutions. And all I can say, church, is first, I don't know what the answer is, but we have to keep waiting, keep trusting, keep believing. And ask God for grace to keep on, even when it doesn't look like we thought it should. Because you know what? He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. That's, that's, that's the message. These disciples, these disciples that ask these questions... And I'm going to read them to you one last time as we close. Sometimes even after all we've learned and lived, we still feel lost. Jesus is the way. Sometimes what we've been searching for has been there the whole time. We just weren't paying attention. He is truth. And sometimes God answers our prayers differently than we expect. And we must choose to trust his heart over our feelings because he is life. It is he who satisfies. Learn from these questions the disciples had that you have. And that truth that we see, the way, the truth, and the life, that's Jesus. Believe that truth and live in that truth. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.